Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Welcome in. Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed your Memorial Day. Hope you found a way to somehow enjoy sports last night. If you watched hockey, you probably did. If you watched basketball, I don't know, especially if you enjoy watching shots that actually fall in the basket for both teams. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Warriors-Cavs, round four. Who didn't see this coming? Well, at least we got seven games. They weren't seven good games in either one of these two series, but both these two teams were pushed at the very least, and now we go into an NBA Finals where I think it's very possible we're going to see a sweep. Maybe LeBron gets one. Maybe he gets none. I have no idea. But let's hear from some of the participants last night first the coaches the losing coach Mike D'Antoni's system again fails to get a team to the NBA finals had a real shot at it this time but last night speaking of shots nobody on the Rockets could make one here is what Mike D'Antoni had to say if you just take a deep breath one time it's a three that's why they're so good that's why they're 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 playing hats off to them but I think we're very close obviously you know, some things will tweak, and we'll get back on the horse, and we'll get these guys here pretty soon. Golden State has set the bar for the whole league, not just us. We know where we have to go. We feel like we're really close. We just need a good summer of work. You know, we, we turned it on defensively, I think, from the All-Star break on. That will not slip. We'll get it even better there. I mean, I'm obviously optimistic just because the guys we're dealing with and the winners, and uh, we keep knocking on the door. It'll eventually open. We don't know, and we can now, everyone can speculate and say, well, the Rockets would have won this series if Chris Paul had been out there. I have my doubts, but we have no idea. So if you are someone that wants to find solace in this defeat, you can find it in that. 
Had to be tough for Chris Paul. He suits up in uniform again last night. You see him pounding on the chair next to him as he's just basically being tortured, watching something he can do absolutely nothing about because of his hamstring. And maybe even the opponents felt bad for him. Here is victorious coach, Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr. I have so much respect for their organization, what they've done this past year, coming out and aiming for us. And uh, they compete. They play both ends. They got a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. We were lucky to escape. And I genuinely feel badly for Chris Paul not being able to play these last couple games, just like I feel badly for Andre Iguodala. You hate when these guys who compete their whole lives and practice and train and plan for this moment and they're not able to be part of it. It's a shame. And then Kevin Durant, who yesterday morning on this show I called a shrinking violet, in clutch situations when the adversity hits he's not at his best last night he does have 34 points and he does have an imprint certainly on that second half I don't know how clutch he needed to be because the Rockets shot themselves right out of their own gym but here's Durant on the team that the Warriors just defeated I gained a lot of respect for this team this Houston Rockets team over the season. Well, obviously, can't lie, coming in, I'm like, wow, they got CP and James, two guys that do the same thing. Probably just about the same way every basketball fan thought when they came together. But when they started the season, we played them the first game and then just watching them over the years, this team was for real. Watching how they play defense and how they simplified the offense and just turning to, you know, see if you can guard James one-on-one or CP one-on-one or Eric Gordon. You know, it presented a tough challenge for us, and we knew that coming into the series it was going to be rough. I picked the Warriors to win last night. I picked them to win the series in six, and then when it came to a seventh game, I said the Warriors would win easily. I don't know that it was easy, but it's certainly a lot easier when one basketball team shoots 15.9% from beyond the arc. Seven for 44 from three for the Houston Rockets. And the difference between the Rockets last night and the Celtics one night before against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers is Boston doesn't live or die by the three. Boston actually does have guys that can bang around in the paint and score. They do have a mid-range game. The Rockets either shoot threes or they drive to the hole. The only guy that shoots consistently from mid-range, a guy that can step out and make 15-foot jump shots for you, can make floaters, all of those things, on a consistent basis, was the guy who had the hamstring problem and could not get on the floor. Without Chris Paul, the Rockets had to continue to do what they were doing ineffectively last night. They had to keep chucking threes, and a lot of those threes were open. Now, the Warriors did start playing better defense on them, but my goodness, Ariza, 0 for 9 from 3, 0 for 12 overall in 42 minutes. P.J. Tucker, two for five. Clint Capella, obviously, played pretty well. Two for six from the line, but nine of ten field goals. He gave you 20 points last night. Harden, my lord, man. There was a stretch in this series earlier where he missed 11 threes in a game, tying him with John Starks for the most ever in an NBA playoff game. 0 for 20 during that stretch overall, if you go back to the game prior. He goes 2-for-13 last night from 3. James Harden, MVP of the league. Eric Gordon, 2-for-12. I tweeted out before the game that I thought that Gordon and Tucker 
and basically everybody wearing a Rockets uniform would struggle from three, and that's why the Warriors would win by 15-plus. They didn't. They won by nine, but Gordon certainly struggled from outside. Ariza couldn't make anything. Harden couldn't make anything. Tucker didn't take as many threes as I honestly thought he did. He had 14 and 12 for you, and that's a decent stat line. And you got Ryan Anderson coming off the bench in the first quarter, Joe Johnson being dusted off and asked to walk out onto the floor for the first time. He only took one shot in the game. Gerald Green out here going one for seven. This Rockets team goes 36 for 90. You could talk about the Warriors and the defense that they played, but it all comes down to making shots sometimes. You know, more turnovers last night for the Golden State Warriors than for the Houston Rockets. And now you look at it, Durant gives you 34, Steph Curry gives you 27, Klay Thompson gives you 19, but Steph goes 7 to 15 and Durant goes 5 of 11 from three ball game. That's really all you need to know. The Rockets had a chance to win it last night, even without Chris Paul, with the way that they came out on fire and the Warriors were lackadaisical at best. That effort was horrible by Golden State for the first, I would say, 20 minutes. They got a little bit closer going into the half, which was very similar to what they did in Game 6 where they were getting blown out, found a way to get back into it, and then the momentum didn't feel like it was nearly as strong with the home team in Game 7, just like the road team in Game 6. Both, unfortunately for Houston fans, happened to be the Rockets. We're going to go to break. On the other side, Clay will join us from Florida, and we will get back into this discussion. The NBA Finals are set. It's Rockets out It's Golden State Warriors in again. It's Celtics out. It's Cleveland Cavaliers in again. LeBron versus the Warriors for the fourth consecutive year. We'll break it all down and talk kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. I'm back in the studio. I think this one is a little bit on me, a little bit on my guy, Big Boy. I left my key on Friday when I left the studio in the studio. So they gave me a key to guarantee that I could get into the studio. And it was sitting on the desk when I walked in here. So that's why I missed uh, opening the show. Another good start for the week for me. Uh, I am down here on the Gulf Coast. Now also to factor in here, a lot of talk down here for the last week about all this, uh, this storm that was coming. I don't know if you guys were paying attention at all to the weather. But oh, it was going to be a big storm. They basically had a rainstorm down here. Everybody in in uh, the Gulf Coast of Florida is fine. This Alberto was a big bust, almost as big a bust as the Houston Rockets when it came to their shooting from outside down the stretch in this game. I want to put into context how bad the Rockets were from three, from a statistical perspective. My guy, Mike Mulvihill, who is a statistics genius, I can think... I'd like to know the stat on this, and then I'm not smart enough to figure it out. This is a wild stat from Mike Mulvihill, who works inside Fox Sports and is a stat maven, a stat guru. Said, based on Houston's season-long three-point percentage at 36.2, the chances of them missing 27 in a row would have been 186,220 to 1. That is unbelievable to even think about in a Game 7. I think you can make a legitimate argument that this is the biggest choke job by any team in the history of the entire NBA. 
when you think about it, game seven at home and you go one for 30 down the stretch and miss 27 consecutive uh, shots from a pure odds maker perspective, the odds of them missing 27 in a row would have been 186,220 to one. I think you could make a legitimate argument, and in fact, I would. This is the biggest choke job we've ever seen in the history of the NBA. Given the fact that this happened in Game 7, given the fact that it happened at home, you roll all that together, and it makes it the biggest choke job to me in the history of the NBA. Now, credit to the Houston Rockets for getting it to Game 7. They had to win Game 4, which they probably shouldn't have won. The Warriors collapsed down the stretch. They had to win game five when the Warriors had three chances to win the game and couldn't make a bucket. And then we had the Chris Paul injury, the total beatdown that happened in the second half of game six, and this game was a little bit eerily familiar for the, of that. I thought the Stars came out and played for Golden State in the second half when the Stars needed to play. Kevin Durant, 11 for 21, 5 for 11 from three, hit a ton of really difficult shots down the stretch. Steph Curry, 7 for 15 for 3, nearly hit a triple-double, 27, 10, and 9. Klay Thompson, he got three fouls in the first two and a half minutes, still came on and hit three out of seven from three. I mean, the difference in this game was pretty straightforward. The NBA has become a three-point shooting game. If you make your threes, your team wins. If you miss them, you tend to lose. The Golden State Warriors were 16 of 39 from three. That's 41% makes. And the Houston Rockets were 7 for 44. That's 15.9% makes. I mean, it just flat out was not a performance in any way that the Houston Rockets can be proud of when it came to game seven. I know in the third quarter, We had a lot of different plays that were made where maybe the the calls were a little bit questionable. If I'm a Rockets fan this morning, I sit around and I say, you know what? This was not an ideal kind of situation for my team. We lost a lot of calls that could have been 50-50, fouled on three-point shots that didn't count, all those things. There's no doubt that a bunch of plays went against them. But when you go one for 30 down the stretch from three, at home in a game seven, you don't deserve to win. And as a result, we've got eerily similar game sevens. Both teams that were at home lost. Both teams that had 3-2 series leads lost. Both teams have to look at the game and say, if we had just played okay, we didn't need to be otherworldly. We just needed to be okay. We likely would have won this game. Instead, we've got the first time this has happened in major American sports a fourth straight year of the Cavs Warriors. And for me, the question is this, are people tired of the series? Because I think, frankly, I told this to Jason Martin going into the weekend. I said, look, I think it's going to be Cavs Warriors. And if it's Cavs Warriors, I don't think there's that much interesting to say. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I try to be as honest with you as I can. Some of the data points that are out there already, the game one line is over 12 points now the Warriors are favored. That's the biggest NBA Finals game spread in the last 25 years. The Lakers versus the 76ers in Game 1 of the 2001 Finals is the last time we had a spread this substantial. 
Golden State is now minus 1,200 to win the series, which is an improbable level of favorite. Over 90% that the odds makers are giving the Golden State Warriors to be favored in this game. Uh, But again, I just look at it and say the three-point shooting percentage. We were close, potentially, to getting Boston and Houston. The two losing teams combined to shoot 14 for 83 at home in the closeout game. You play all year for the opportunity to get Game 7 at home, and then the Boston Celtics and the Houston Rockets combined to go 14 for 83. A devastatingly bad performance, the likes of which I think we'll be talking about for a long time to come. 16.8% of those shots. And again, the stat that I think beyond a shadow of a doubt proves that we may have the biggest choke job in the history of any team in the NBA. Three-point percentage down the stretch. 27 in a row. The odds, 186,220 to one. And keep in mind, if the Houston Rockets had just shot, I don't know, four for 30 down the stretch, they may well have won this game. Six for 30, which still isn't any good at all, and they probably do win this game. Now, maybe the Warriors would have been more aggressive. Maybe they would have hit a few more shots. But ultimately, I think the question that everybody's got to answer is, is this a series that you're excited to watch? Now that the tables have officially been set, we've got Cavs Warriors for the fourth straight year. Frankly, I have zero faith that the Cavs have any chance at all to win this series. I'm not even sure that if the Cavs were in the West, they would have won a series. Do you feel good about the Cavs beating the Rockets? I don't. They would have lost to the Rockets. They certainly are going to lose to the Warriors. Do you feel good about them getting past the Oklahoma City Thunder? I don't really. Do you feel like they would have gotten past the Utah Jazz? Probably not. I mean, how far down the list in the Western Conference can you go and say, you know what? Yeah, I definitely feel like there was an opportunity that the that they would have won that series. I just, I'm not even sure that they beat anybody in the top five. The Minnesota Timberwolves? <laughs> I mean, I'm legitimate. I, I'm not sure how many series the Cavs would remotely win. And everybody out there who's the LeBron crew is going to be like, he's been to eight in a row. Yeah, but how many would he have been to if he'd been playing in the Western Conference? Or if the NBA did what the NBA needs to do and set it up so that when you got to the playoffs, they seeded one to 16 instead of two eight-game uh, breakdowns in the Eastern and the Western Conference. I'm not sure he gets past the second round in many of these years. And ultimately, I think this is going to be a a black eye for the NBA because at least if you had finished with the Rockets and the Warriors in the NBA Finals, a lot of us would have felt like, okay, this game seven, this seven-game series, at least we got the best matchup of the two best teams by the time we got to the NBA Finals. Now you've got the Warriors effectively going up against the JV squad. And frankly, I have zero confidence that the Cavs can win a game. Now, I think they will, because I think the one thing you can say about this Warriors team is at least in the postseason, they have tended to play to the level of competition a little bit. They got up 3-0 
on the San Antonio Spurs, they lost a game. They got up 2-0 and they lost a game to the uh, to the Pelicans. Who, by the way, I think would have beaten the Cavs as well. They get into the situation with, uh, with the Rockets and really, they had this series won. After they won game three by 41 points, I think they got a little bit lackadaisical. They should have won game four which would have effectively ended this series if they had gone up 3-1. It would have ended the series, I think. Uh, instead, they lost game four, came back, I think probably should have won game five, lost it, and then their backs were completely against the wall. They got the blowout in game six, and they effectively blew the Rockets out in the second half of game seven. But to me, this entire NBA season would have been a lot more interesting if we had gotten Rockets and Warriors in the NBA Finals. Instead, we're getting the fourth straight year of LeBron against the Warriors. Now, I do think casual fans will watch. Because as I've said before, casual fan likes, what do they like? They like the familiar with the illusion of something new. I went and watched Solo this weekend. Solo offered me what? The familiar? We had Han Solo, but it also offered me something new we had what's the story of Han Solo's background every Marvel movie right now that's dominating something new also mixed with something familiar that's the story of every superhero movie that's out there right now it's hard to break through with brand new I think a lot more people will watch the Warriors beat the Cavs than frankly would have watched the Rockets beat the Celtics that's because people even though they say they crave new things actually want more of the same. And more of the same means two more weeks of LeBron versus Jordan, two more weeks of the exact same things we've been talking about for the previous three years. The one positive here, if I'm the NBA, can you imagine if Draymond Green doesn't get suspended and the Warriors had won two years ago against the Cavs? Now you can argue then oh, maybe Kevin Durant doesn't leave and go join the Warriors if they're the two-time defending champs. Maybe that doesn't allow him to make that decision. I don't know. I think he could still make the decision, perhaps. Maybe the Warriors don't feel the need to mess with their mojo. And so, as a result, Kevin Durant never comes to Golden State. And so, we never get the the, the beatdowns that we got last year in the playoffs when Golden State went 16-1, and and we don't get this rematch again this year. But I just don't see any way LeBron James can win this series, barring an injury to potentially multiple players. We still don't know what's going on with Iguodala and whether he's going to come back. And I do think that the Cavs will relentlessly try to exploit the fact that Iguodala is not out there on the floor. But Jordan Bell, I don't know how many people will talk about Jordan Bell's performance. If you remember him from Oregon in their final four run, Jordan Bell was pretty fantastic. I thought he looked like he could be a really outstanding player Uh, defensively for uh, this team. He uh, played only 16 minutes, but they were an important 16 minutes in this game, uh, given the fact that the Warriors had to make do without Iguodala. So it, uh, it, to me, is a series where there's frankly not a lot to say. We all know what the matchups are going to look like, except the Cavs are a lot worse without Kyrie Irving this year than they were last year. And I frankly don't believe that if the Golden State Warriors defend... I'm not even worried about their offense. If they decide and they commit to playing strong defense, I don't think there's any way possible that the Cavs can score enough points 
to get past this Warriors team. And I think the Warriors, at some point in time, are going to eventually get hot in virtually every game. May not last the whole game. May not win by 41 or 26 like they have in a couple of games. But I think they will blow the Cavs out just because they'll be hot. I don't think they'll win in four because this Warriors team has not shown me a killer instinct in trying to really desperately end things against teams. So I think that the Cavs will win a game. Maybe when it's 2-0, they'll win one to make it 2-1 so everybody can say, oh, maybe we've got a series. Maybe when it's 3-0, the Warriors, who know they have to go back to San Francisco, uh, to the Bay Area regardless, might lose a game there like they did last year. I don't see it being a close and competitive series. Let's bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia. Then we'll break down. I'll bring in the crew, see what they think early on about this uh, about this series coming on as well and see if there's anything additional to bring up that happened in Game 7. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. My man, Eddie Garcia, has got the update for us. Well, it's time for your Geico playoff report. And in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals, the NBA playoffs, Warriors rally on the road to beat the Rockets 101-92. Golden State was down by 11 at the half. They outscored Houston 33-15 in the third quarter en route to the win. Kevin Durant had 34 points. Steph Curry, 27 points. Houston, 7-44 of from behind the three-point line. At one point, they missed 27 straight three-point attempts. Golden State wins a series four games to three to advance to face the Cavaliers in the NBA Finals for the fourth year in a row. Game one is Thursday in Oakland. And in the opening game of the Stanley Cup Final, the Golden Knights outscore the Capitals 6-4. to four. Vegas is now 13-3 in this year's playoffs and 7-1 and at home. They have the 1-0 series lead over Washington. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. One game from Major League Baseball, Astros over the Yankees. 5-1. to one. Justin Verlander gets a 7th win for Houston. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let me bring in the crew. What did I miss from Game 7? Uh, Jason Martin. Nothing. I mean, anybody with a pulse can sit there and watch that and see why the Rockets lost the game. I mean, they shot 15% from three. It was really easy. They somehow shot worse than the Celtics did the night before, and unlike Boston, who could have changed course, that's all Houston can do, especially without Chris Paul, is shoot threes and go for the rim and go for layups. They weren't getting foul calls early in the game, so then they started shooting even more threes. But if you've got Ariza going 0 for 9, Gordon going 2 for 12, you're already in trouble when you don't have Chris Paul. Tucker only took five, and he made two of them. But James Harden goes 2 for 13. There was another stretch in this series, as I said off the top of the show, where he was 0 for 20 during one stretch from 3. So that right there, if you just take that, he's 2 for 33 on 3s during those couple of stretches. He simply wasn't good enough. He's going to get a little bit of a pass here, and deservedly so. I don't think anybody necessarily – I didn't expect him to beat Golden State even with Chris Paul. You take Chris Paul out, that does give him a little bit of a reprieve, but he did not play the way he needed to play. He needed to completely – dominate last night even if they lost and I don't think that he was able to pull that off and now we do get Warriors Cavs for the fourth year in a row and we're going to get the Warriors in a sweep or at max five I'm going to predict a sweep I just feel like Golden State this probably woke them up and the Cavaliers are not even close to me as good a basketball many, team as the Houston where would Rockets the, are where would the Cavs rank right now in the West because everybody out there is waving their arms like it's such an like the LeBron crew 
And the LeBron crew is going to basically, uh, you know, ball wash LeBron James no matter what happens. Where would the Cavs have finished if they entered as one of the eight teams in the West? Let's say that they were the four seed in the West. They got the benefit or whatever of their uh, of their same seeding that they got in the East. So you slot them in as the four seed, which would have meant who would they have played in round uh, in round well, one? They would have played I the think, Jazz. Do you think they yeah. would have gotten past the Jazz? Uh, I think that would have been a tough series, but I feel like what about LeBron if they had played OK carried them? What if they had played the Thunder? Uh, I would have taken LeBron in that series. All right, second round they lose, right? Uh, yeah, I like the Pelicans. If if they ended up playing Anthony Davis, I would have liked the way the Pelicans lined up against them, especially defensively. So yeah, I would take I would have taken the Pelicans over them. Uh, I think they would have beaten the Spurs, probably beaten the T Wolves because the T Wolves don't look like they like playing with each other and they don't like their coach. Thunder just I just don't believe in the Thunder right now. Utah's a little bit young, a little bit undersized. Portland's another team that has guys that sometimes don't show up in the playoffs. They remind me a lot of the Toronto Raptors. But at least half the West easily would have beaten the Cavs, I think. So I think when you factor in, people are like, oh, it was so impressive that LeBron James made it to the finals. How many of those years would he have made it to the finals if he had played in the Western Conference? Or to be more fair, if they had just reseeded 1-16? to Like there has been talk that should happen because the Western Conference has become so dominant over the Eastern Conference. And I think the NBA recognizes that they want their best two teams to finish the season. And in fact, if we had had Golden State going up against Houston to finish in the NBA Finals, I think most people today coming out of a seven-game series would have said, okay, wow, the Warriors got challenged. They deserve the title. It feels anticlimactic to have that series, which just ended to advance to the NBA uh, Finals, now be followed by a series that, like I said, is the biggest mismatch, according to the odds makers, in 25 years in the NBA playoffs. I think that's a flaw of the way the NBA has its postseason designed. Are you guys with me out in LA that this feels incredibly anticlimactic? I mean, look, LeBron people can wave the banner of going to eight straight finals as much as they want. To me, this is a question. This is an example of LeBron being smart strategically, recognizing how much weaker the East is and being able to advance there. Moreover, I'm not a guy who sits around and says, oh, the goal is to make the Super Bowl. It's it's amazing to me, all the people who want to be like, oh, eight straight NBA Finals trips, that's unbelievable. Look at the circumstances surrounding those trips. Most of the time, he would not have been there if he had been playing in the Western Conference. And the goal isn't to get to the Super Bowl and get your ass beat. To me, the goal is to get to the Super Bowl and win LeBron's getting judged much more leniently on losing in the finals than we judge a quarterback who gets to the Super Bowl and loses. Look at Cam Newton. Cam Newton got to the Super Bowl and lost. Look at the criticism that Cam Newton has gotten since then. Go look at the litany of quarterbacks who get to Super Bowls and lose and see what we say about them. Look at what was said about Peyton Manning before he came back and won his second Super Bowl. He was crushed for being one and two in Super Bowls uh, in terms of his ability to win. Just absolutely crushed. And so, I mean, I don't know. We don't in football judge a guy and say, oh, he got to a Super Bowl. He's really good. Look at the criticism on Matt Ryan. Gave up a 28 point, uh, 28 to 3 lead in Atlanta, and everybody pulled out the long knives and gutted 
Matt Ryan in his career when they lost that game. They didn't say, oh, well, wow, look at Matt Ryan get into a Super Bowl. I mean, Jim Kelly, even now, maybe people are starting to say nice things about him. Uh, but those Bills, because getting to four straight Super Bowls is so hard in the NFL. But when the Bills lost their fourth straight Super Bowl, they got crushed. They were the ultimate losers. People didn't say, oh my God, it's so impressive that they got here. They got crushed. Are you guys entertained or excited to watch this series, Danny G? Well, the pushback, Clay, would be that obviously LeBron won over a Warriors team that set that record with 73 wins. Now, granted, Kyrie's not alongside him to, to uh, you know, it was Batman and Robin back then. So it's just very much LeBron by himself. So, yeah, I'm not going to lie either. I'm going to watch the NBA Finals, but I'm not as excited as I would have been if it had been new blood. Obviously, I was hoping that the Celtics would push past. They were two quarters away. I was hoping the Rockets would give us some new blood in the West. They were two quarters away from getting there. So the thing is, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We argued about this, what, a week or so ago? We we would have never thought that the Rockets were just a you know a few three pointers away from going to the finals. Same thing with the Celtics. So I'm not going to count LeBron James out. I'm just not going to do that. This series is over, barring an injury. The the Cavs are not good, uh, and and you can give the Cavs credit all you want for getting the utmost out of their playoff run. You don't you this don't is, think you don't think LeBron can will his team to two zero per, to two victories? No, zero percent chance no. they win this series. But this, that's what, boring, the but that's what you, this is what you said about the Rockets going into that series. No, no, no. Rockets I did a lot better too. The Rockets are a lot better. I said whoever won game one. I said the Rockets, I don't believe but at, but believe after they game one. Win. But after game one, you said After game one, I thought it. it was over. And look, I think the criticism here, if you want to criticize the team, I think it's easy. Look, I think the Rockets were really bad in uh, their shooting at home in game seven. And I think that's ultimately inexcusable to go one for 30 down the stretch from three-point range when you're at home playing in your familiar gym, playing in your setting, this is arguably one of, if not the greatest choke jobs we have ever seen from a team, not a player, but a team, to go one for 30. I can't think of very many other times where we've seen a performance like that. Having said that, I thought the Warriors almost lost this series with the way they performed down the stretch in game four and game five. Arguably, Golden State should have won game four and arguably they should have won game five. Golden State was clearly the better team. I mean, you don't win by 41 and 26 like they did and just demoralize the Rockets in two of their four wins and not be substantially better. But if the Rockets had won, it would have been because Golden State collapsed at the very end of game four. I think they got a little bit cocky. They were up, what, 10 points uh, in game four, got up 12 at the start and then posted one of the worst fourth quarters. I think the worst fourth quarter in franchise history. If they do just an average performance in game four, they'd have gone up 3-1 and the series would have been over. Uh, if they had closed in game five, even with Chris Paul on the court, the Rockets had the ball three times with a chance to win or take control of that game and they failed all three times from a differing degrees. So to me... The story is the Rockets got almost as much as they possibly could out of their team. They just weren't as good. They were not as good. The Cavs, to me, are not even in the same ballpark 
as the Golden State Warriors. If we were just out at a park picking teams and all these guys were on the court and you got a pick and I got a pick and we ended up with these two teams, you'd accuse me of point shaving. In, in all honesty, because I mean, we'll go through that. If we were just going through and drafting players right now, okay, you say LeBron goes one overall, the next five picks are all Golden State Warriors. I think you can make a strong case for that. We'll talk about it. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Thanks for spending your Tuesday morning with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Taylor Swift bringing us back there. The Golden State Warriors are as much as a minus 1,200 fan which is a pretty unbelievable favorite. The biggest in 25 years. They are a 12-plus point favorite in this game. Uh, Coming up, game one on Thursday night now in the NBA Finals. And if you were drafting players, am I not correct that, let's say LeBron is the number one overall pick. Let's say you were just out there on the basketball court. You know these guys, and you're just going back and forth drafting players. Aren't the next five picks all Golden State Warriors. And and I might even go, I mean, when you start looking at these rosters, let's presume that Iguodala is healthy. If you just look at the teams and you're just drafting, going back and forth, LeBron James is a great player. All right, congratulations, LeBron James is the overall number one draft pick. I think the next five that you draft in no particular order, I think Kevin Durant's got to be two. I think Steph's probably got to be three. Maybe Draymond is is uh, is four. Maybe uh, Steph. Maybe Clay Thompson is four. Four and five are Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. I think probably six is Andre Iguodala. I think I would rather have Andre Iguodala if I were LeBron James. Would you rather have Kevin Love or Andre Iguodala? That's a toss up a little bit. I think for LeBron, arguably Iguodala would be potentially more useful because of his defensive energy on the other end of the court. And the fact that he's also a good three-point shooter means that LeBron could still feed him. Maybe you take Kevin Love there. I don't even know after that, if you go through this list, I mean, who's the next best player? Do you feel comfortable taking Tristan Thompson? No, Again, I, think, you, I think you'd have to go Jeff Green based on oh. the last series. And No, no, that's to your point, though. I mean, yeah, there's there's a couple more Warriors ahead of Jeff Green. Yeah, I mean, so this is the biggest mismatch in 25 years, according to odds makers. Doesn't mean, again, I'm, I don't think they'll win in a sweep because Golden State hasn't swept anybody so far in these playoffs at all. When they have gotten up, they have tended to relax, and it almost bit them here. I think Golden State thought they had the fourth game won with their performance in the third quarter of that game. Right, They're like, we're at Oracle. We've won 16 in a row here. We're not going to lose. They're up 12 in the fourth quarter early in game four. And I think they got lackadaisical and they almost lost this series. And I think that's because the Warriors story this year has been get up and then don't really have that killer instinct. Last year, I feel like they had so many haters out there that they felt like they needed to obliterate everyone. So they went when their first 15 games in the playoffs 
until they lost finally game four in that series. I just, I don't see the offensive firepower. Maybe J.R. Smith can come out and be hot as you can possibly imagine. Maybe uh, Kyle Korver, the Warriors get a little bit lazy on him, lose him in transition a few times, and Kyle Korver comes out and scores 12 or 15 points in several games. It's hard to even conceive other than the Cavs are just playing out of their mind from three-point range how they can remotely score to stay competitive in this game. And I think where the Warriors were weak on the defensive side of the ball, the Rockets did a pretty good job getting to the basket. The the Cavs don't even have that many slashers who you feel like, okay, that guy can get to the basket. You know, you look at it, they got LeBron James who will get to the basket a lot when he has the energy to do so. But outside of LeBron James, how many guys can create off the dribble on the Cavs and finish at the rim? The Rockets had several. It's James Harden is hard to stay in front of. I think it's arguably easier to defend LeBron James off the dribble than it is James Harden. Now, James Harden is not the physical freak that LeBron James is, but he's so slippery that he gets to the basket and he just gets fouled so many times because he's so uh, creative and in the way that he uses his body and creates space. Uh, LeBron, you know what he's going to do. He's going to try to get to the basket and finish at the rim, but he's not really doing it from a deceptive perspective. He's not Euro-stepping you. He's just more physically dominant than you are. We'll continue to break this down. Also talk a little bit about the Vegas Golden Knights getting a big win. This is Outkeep the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. As well, pro customers at Lowe's save 5% on every purchase every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. That's 5% on all purchases in store or online, subject to credit approval in the U.S. only. The Houston Rockets go one for 30 to finish their season. Putting into perspective how awful that is, the uh, Rockets shot 36.4% on the 36.2% on the season. The chances of them missing 27 in a row has happened at one point during the course of this game. This is according to my guy Mike Mulvihill at Fox Sports. 186,220 to one. Now, what I did love about the game uh, was when the Rockets finally hit one after 27 straight misses, Tucker talked trash to the Golden State Warriors bench. And I do think the NBA has to do something. Do you guys agree with me? In that short corner directly in front of the bench, the players are getting way too aggressive in terms of standing up and yelling at the shooter. Now, I don't know what the rule needs to be because it's hard to like kind of legislate all the time the behavior on the bench, but I don't think you should be able to stand up in the NBA in that corner and scream at a shooter as he's taking a shot just because you're rooting for the other team. And it's not like the Warriors were the only team doing it. It was obviously taking place, and it does take place on a regular basis, uh, but I think that is uh, that's something because you see it happen so often where a guy hits a shot and then turns and talks to the bench because there's people yelling at him on the bench. I think you got to just make that a rule that you can't do it. Pro, in NBA, 
That's Bush League. It's like, remember when A-Rod got in trouble when he was running around the bases and somebody had a fly ball, a pop fly in the infield, and he screamed as he ran past and like tried to distract the guy, and I think the guy missed it. I mean, that's like Bush League to me. You can't scream in the corner, but I don't think it would have mattered. I, I would be disappointed if I missed 27 straight threes in, uh, and you just gave me a open gym and let me go around the horn. I don't how think many, it would be How many could you make out of 27 tries? In that sh- in that situation, yeah, uh, in an actual game or in like just in a gym with uh, with you know my ability to shoot, I would say just in a gym and we we put you behind the three point line and gave you twenty seven shots. Uh, I think I could hit ten or eleven out of twenty seven. I feel pretty good about that. I mean that's I mean with nobody on me, just just lined up getting to do twenty seven in a row. I think uh, from the top of the key, I'd be really good. I mean, let's say, let's say, like how many, like an NBA, like a three-point challenge back in the day. I think I could hit ten or eleven out of twenty-seven. And what about with a defender all over you? Oh, I, I mean, I think the challenge is if you have a defender all over you and like an NBA caliber defender, yeah, it's so hard to even get a shot up because back, they're so much longer. Be a step back three for you. Wide open, wide open shots in an NBA game. Like where the, I am so open that nobody is going to be able to run at me. I don't think my percentage would be that much different than it would be in a gym. I'm not a guy who gets that nervous. So like going out, I mean, remember, the only evidence we have of this at all is that I went out on the field and caught 25 and 40 yard punts as part of a halftime contest in front of 70,000 people. And I don't think I would have done any worse in front of 70,000 people as I would have in front of 20, right? So I don't think in a, in a gym, like if you put me in an NBA gym and everybody was there watching, I don't think my performance would be that much worse than it would be in an empty gym. Like I just, I, the crowd, I don't think would impact me at all. So, uh, so if I got, I think Doug Gottlieb, I saw him tweet, he went back and looked at all 27 and six of those he classified as wide open threes. You know, we're like they have a, there's nobody running at them. They've got ample time. I think I could hit, you know, a couple out of six um, if I had wide open time and time to just sit there and take a shot. At least one out of six. I'd be disappointed if I went over six. I mean, I don't know. You guys might think that's out. I'm a decent shooter. Like, I mean, we're not surprised by this because of your claims during the NFL season. If you put me in a gym right now and gave me 27 NBA threes, I think I would hit 10. Just kind of going around the horn. I think I could hit 10 out of 27. I mean, I, what is the 10 out of 27? Like uh, 20, you know, whatever the, whatever the math is on that. I, I don't think that's an outlandish percentage to hit. Now, the NBA threes are deep and and long, so I'd want my time like uh, to, uh, you know, kind of scrutinize and make sure my feet are behind the line and everything else. But I think I could do 10 out of 27. I don't be, think it would be much worse. It would be 37%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's an outlet. I mean, if you were, if you're a really good shooter and you get 27 wide open shots in, in the rim, I would think that, let's say, Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry's probably the best shooter in the world right now. I bet if he gets 27, he hits 24 of them. But wide open, just kind of going around the rim, getting in rhythm. 24 22 something like that and he could hit all 27 with nobody on him 10 out of 27 i would i would put a lot of money on me being able to hit 10 out of 27 nba threes in an empty gym i'd say as far as the claims that you've made on this show it's like not outlandish at all yeah i mean i 
I, I don't know. I mean, it again, it's it's a long it's a long shot. So I'd want you know like to be loose and yeah, everything but, else. But, but that wouldn't be fair. You couldn't have fresh legs because as they kept pointing out on the broadcast, yeah. Trevor Ariza spent all that energy and was worn down from guarding KD, and well, so I'm he didn't have much yes. legs left for yeah, his jump I'm shot. I'm certainly not saying that I could run up and down the court in any way. I hate running at this point, right? So uh, I ran the half marathon uh, a couple of years ago. I did a half marathon. And there's a picture of me finishing the half marathon line. And I was thoroughly disgusted. And I was like, this is the worst decision I ever made. Why did I run? And I don't believe I've run really hardly at all since then. My wife has gotten me out a couple of times because she'll run. And maybe we've done a couple of runs when the weather's been nice. But by myself, I don't believe I've run more than a mile since I did the half marathon. People are like, oh, when you finish the half marathon, you'll feel this huge sense of accomplishment. You'll feel like you I was like, this is the worst decision I've ever made. You can see it on my face. I was like, I hate running. Why would I do it to begin with? My wife got me to do it because she said she said she were going to run it together. And then she got pregnant with our second kid. So it's been like six or seven years ago. But it was awful. Like I spent all these hours training for the half marathon. And my point on the marathon is pretty straightforward. When Oprah ran a marathon, there was no doubt in my mind that if I wanted to run a marathon, I could do it. Oprah is not a better athlete than me. Not saying I'm a great athlete. I'm saying I'm better than Oprah. The minute that I saw that Oprah trained and ran a marathon... I was like, it's just a matter of spending the time to train to do it. I have zero doubt that I could do it. Oprah did it. Al Gore did it. Running a marathon is not that hard. You just have to be willing to spend a hundred, hundreds of hours of your spare time to be able to run a marathon. And for what? To prove you can do it? I already know I can do it. I'm into doing things that I'm not sure I can do. Not into doing things that Oprah can do athletically. If Oprah could dunk a basketball, I would probably not ever worry about whether or not I could dunk a basketball. I wouldn't even need to jump. I'd be like, Oprah did it. I can do it. If Oprah is a better athlete than you, you should never watch another athletic event for the rest of your life. You should just be like, you know what? Athletics is not for me. I got to find something else. So that's the thing with me. Like 10 out of 27, zero doubt. Zero doubt at all. But to me, this is one of the biggest team choke jobs ever. Because it's not just me walking into a strange gym and having to put up 27 threes. It's the Houston Rockets playing in front of their home team, home gym, on the rims they've shot at 100 times probably just about over the course of the season. I don't know how many official home games they have played at that point. I guess what, 41, well, maybe like 55 times or whatever the math is on that, that they have played in that gym plus all the time they've spent getting up shots on those rims over the course of multiple years, and you miss 27 straight with everybody there cheering for you, that's tough to justify. I think it's the biggest team choke job we have seen in, a, in, in maybe forever. Like if you, if you told me right now which is harder, giving up a 28-3 to lead to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots or missing... 27 straight threes in an NBA Finals Game 7, I think it's harder to miss 27 straight threes because the whole team has to fail. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. The idea that he could come back with Bill Belichick as his defensive tutor, 
doesn't surprise me at all that Belichick would come up with some plan that you would make some errors as a team. You'd miss a block. You'd get a fumble. You'd make a bad coaching decision and not kick the field goal. All of that is a lot more easy for me to understand than missing 27 straight threes. It's why I thought our storyline today, midway through the third quarter, was going to be, man, there was some questionable officiating, and then the Rockets shot away the officiating. You You go one for 30 down the stretch, of an NBA Game 7, you can't complain about anything that the officials did. You were so bad, you have taken away every other bit of your opportunity to gripe. What do you think, Jason Martin? How many out of 27 would I hit? I don't know, because I've never seen you shoot before. It's longer. A lot of people get behind an NBA three-point line and realize it's a lot further back than maybe they thought. I think that your number is a little bit high. I'd be more somewhere. See, I don't know. Like I said, I've never seen you shoot before, and I don't want to underestimate what you're capable of doing, but I would say somewhere around six. Yeah, I mean, six, eight, ten, whatever the number is. Um, I think that what we also see is so much of shooting three-pointers is rhythmic. By By that, I mean, I don't know what the data shows over the course of the season, but it seems like to me when teams hit a three – they're much more likely to hit the next three. Am I am I totally wrong in that? Or does it feel to you guys when you watch NBA games, like the Warriors may shoot 36.2% from three for the season, but it seems to me like over the course of a game, they'll hit three or four in a row, and then they'll miss like five in a row. Like it seems like there's a lot more peaks and valleys than the numbers would reflect. And what I mean by that is, I think that three-point shooting is a little bit contagious. When everybody is hitting, you step into your shot with a lot more uh, confidence, and it seems like you drain in several in a row. Because I think the crazy thing about the Rockets going one for 30 down the stretch is I think at one point they hit like three or four in a row when they got up. When they get up 15 in this game? Something like that, 13, whatever it was, when they had their their biggest lead, yeah, they was, were stepping it, into them it and was draining them. It was 15, yeah. All right, they got it up by 15, and they were draining several in a row. And certainly the same thing seems to happen with the Warriors, too. Because when Steph got hot and Kevin Durant got hot and they hit several shots in a row, it's like every time they went up to shoot, you felt like it was going to go in. And by the way, if you are a Rockets fan you are going to live thinking about that Steph Curry three that went off the rim like three different times. I think it put him up nine where it like hit the front of the rim, then the backboard. It was like the shot that Loyola, sorry, uh, Tennessee fans, was like the shot that Loyola of Chicago hit to advance and win to advance to the Sweet 16, hit the rim like three different times and then went in. When Steph Curry is getting rolls like that, who's already a great shooter, when he hits the rim three different times, it goes off the backboard and then it goes in you know that things are not going your way. But I just, I I look at this and I say, when you look at the data, it's one of the biggest choke jobs we've ever seen. And when we came into this, we finished off the the hour one, kind of breaking down these rosters. And first of all, we still don't know what's up with Andre Iguodala. Would you guys agree with me that it's a little bit strange that we've obviously talked a lot about Chris Paul's hamstring. And I came on the show uh, right after game five and said, that I had talked with, been talking with Brandon Wright at the NBA, in the NBA, and he had said, based on the way people were responding to that, that Chris Paul's probably done. That you know they weren't trying to get him treatment on the sideline. That that his his entire playoffs were probably done. And so we talked a lot about the Chris Paul injury. This Andre Iguodala knee injury is he out for the season? 
I mean, is it more significant than they're letting on? For for him not to play down the stretch like he has not played, I think it's a little bit strange. Now, I don't know that it matters in the NBA Finals. I don't think it's going to matter at all because I think Jordan Bell came on. I think Jordan Bell will play well. I think that the Cavs don't have the same talent to be able to exploit the switches like uh, they did in the uh, in the like the the Rockets did. Chris Paul in particular. Well, they basically switched down the stretch. Remember of Game Five and got him on David West four straight times. Try to find the mismatch and go against it. I don't think that the uh, that the that the Cavs have the talent getting to the basket that the Rockets did. So I don't think it'll matter as much in terms of switches. But to me, that is uh, that's a strange story, right? That we haven't heard hardly anything about Andre Iguodala. Well, he got a second opinion on his left knee originally, and they still are kind of talking like it's a bone bruise, which is something that just has to work its way out. But now they're labeling the injury a left lateral leg contusion. They're still trying to figure out exactly what's wrong because his body has not responded at all the way that they hoped that it would. So it is very... I don't know. It's iffy. It didn't seem like it was quite as serious when it first happened. And then you talk about how Iguodala and you hear about it going into game six and you hear about it last night, how frustrated he is and how badly he wants to be on the floor, but he simply can't run, which is not very good. And it and it's weird that they don't really have a what seems to be a solid diagnosis on what's going on. We've got uh, Steve Kerr talking about this, by the way. Let's listen to what Steve Kerr talked about when it came to Andre Iguodala's health. Uh, he's frustrated, and if he could play, he would play. But um, he just has not, his body has not responded to this point. We're still hoping that over the next few days, if we're able to win tonight, that uh, that he will make some improvement. But um, he just has, has not uh, gotten where he needs to be. Here, That was Steve Kerr before the game. Here's the other question I have, and we haven't even hardly talked about this game, and I think the reason is because of the way that hockey's scheduled. Why would you put hockey on this night up against the NBA. I mean, I'm just tossing it out there. If you were going to do this, why not play your hockey game on Sunday, for instance, before Memorial Day and play a game Sunday such that you could have played in the afternoon? You don't know if there's going to be a game seven in the Eastern Conference. You don't know if there's going to be a game seven in the Western Conference. But if you are Gary Bettman and you are the NHL, and you are setting up your uh, your conference uh, you know, title, the Stanley Cup Final, why would you put your game? Because I guarantee you we're not going to talk about it very much. We're just not going to talk about the NHL very much because the NBA Game 7 is a much bigger story, even though that game was fantastic between the Vegas Golden Knights and the, uh, and the Washington Capitals. Why would you not play on Sunday... Why would you not play at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday your game one of the NHL Stanley Cup Finals? I I don't understand it at all. And then set it up so that you weren't potentially going to be going head-to-head with the NBA on a game seven. Because I think the vast majority of you out there watch the game seven in the NBA. I think if game seven in the NBA hadn't been happening, you'd been sitting around on Sunday afternoon, you would have watched the NHL to me that's just bad scheduling by the NHL um all right let's go to uh let's go to break here then we're going to talk with my guy Alex Marvez we will dive into the latest on the NFL story 
Is the anthem story ever going to die? What does Alex Marvez think about that? Hour three, by the way, we'll talk to my guy, Petros Papadakis. That's where we're headed today on the show. Appreciate you spending your Tuesday with us. Hope you had a great Memorial Day long weekend. Thanks to all of you out there who have served or will be serving in the future or have family members who have served and may not be with us anymore. Thanks for all that you and your family has given to this great country. Up next, it's Alex Marvez. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage from the Geico Outkick Studios on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We bring in now Alex Marvez. You can find him on Twitter at Alex Marvez, he hosts a show on Sirius XM. Alex, uh, what's going to happen with the NFL anthem controversy now? Um, because now we're through Memorial Day. The story is kind of, I think, dead for a while, although who knows exactly. Um, what do you think transpires over the next couple of months, if anything? Okay, so this is the story we weren't going to talk about anymore last week, right? that you said you yeah. burned out on and that there's really nowhere else to go but with But, I it. mean, frankly, what else is there to talk about in the NFL? Well, I mean, we got a couple things going on with, you know, the Tom Brady situation. We got Des Bryant looking for a home. But nonetheless, I will, I'm happy to answer this. Clay, I can't answer until there's an actual rule in place about what's going on here. The NFLPA has nothing to grieve. There's nothing in a rule book. What happened last week was that, and Roger Goodell saying that there was a vote, and then Seth Wickersham of ESPN, who basically lives inside that meeting room that the, that the NFL owners are in, saying that, no, there was never even a vote taken. And it wasn't even unanimous if there was, because, you know, Mark Davis abstained from the vote. So until there's something that says, okay, what is what constitutes, by the way, you know, uh, and unprofessional behavior or not respecting the flag if you're not standing on the field. If I have my arm raised, is that disrespectful? If we all lock arms and sway back and forth like they did last season, is that now suddenly illegal? Nobody even knows. So the NFLPA can't even say to, to an arbitrator, well, this is wrong and, and it's violating the collective bargaining agreement because the NFL hasn't put anything down on paper. I don't even know how this idea was thought out, Clay. I'm still looking for the first person that thinks this was a good idea, you know, to have this happen. I mean, look, I mean, you know, the way that they presented it, I guess the, the positive thing is that it's upset all parties equally and no one's happy. Nobody wins off this. What a terrible decision by the league. If the league could go back in time, uh, we talked about this on Friday's show. Nobody at the time talked about Mahmoud abdul Rauf as this hero of America when he decided not to stand for the national anthem in the NBA. It was almost identical to Colin Kaepernick. David Stern at the time came out immediately and fined Mahmoud abdul Rauf and said he was not able to uh, to play, right? said he was not able to play until he started to stand for the national anthem. So the NBA both suspended and refused to find and refused to allow a guy who didn't wouldn't stand for the national anthem to play in the league. And as a result, as a result, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf's his uh, his not standing for the national anthem in the NBA immediately died. Do you think if he could go back in time, Roger Goodell would just start to find? Uh, Colin Kaepernick substantial sums of money and establish right from the get-go the NFL doesn't agree with this decision if you're going to do it you're going to get fined a lot of money well that's a powder keg too because you know the one thing you wonder is okay are all of his teammates going to walk out with him 
you know, and you have to ask yourself that question. And then how, you know, how does it come when, how does it look when it comes to race relations among the NFL and its players? 70% are more, it's more than 70% are African American, many of whom unfortunately don't have very good views of the police and, and things like that. So I'm not, you know, listen, and Roger Goodell had his chances, by the way. I mean, this wasn't anything new. When I asked Troy Vincent at the owners' meetings in March of 2017, did y'all spend any time talking about the anthem and, and you know, what could potentially well, they, happen? There's, there's zero doubt they hoped it would just go away. I mean, I, don't, I think Roger Goodell's response was, we're just going to wait this out and it's going to go away. That was, his, that was his philosophy, I think, right. from the moment it began. But it hasn't. And three years later, I think there's zero doubt to, from anybody at this point to argue that it hasn't hurt the NFL. And so, whereas Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the NBA have had no real controversy associated with this at all, it's only the NFL where it's been unable to actually, you know, stop being a story. Yeah, and Clay, I wonder too, are we talking different fan bases here in terms of lenience from NBA fans, in terms of lenience from NFL fans? And the NBA doesn't do what the NFL does. The NFL wraps itself in the flag, right? and all of the advertising dollars that go into it, the relationship that they have, the CEO tours, things like this. I wonder, too, I mean, and by the way, you go back to Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, think about if we had the Twitter atmosphere at that time, the Internet, all of the hot takes that are just flying everywhere, and what would have happened with that? It could have been a very different yeah, deal. Yeah, it's a good there. point. My argument there is that brands need to spend a lot less attention worried about what people say say on social media because I think that the vast majority of reasonable people don't spend all day on social uh, social media perpetually outraged from one thing to the next. I think that's just a way that people entertain themselves is by being perpetually outraged on the internet about things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So I do agree that the media environment would have been different, but I think you know this. Like There are a lot of people who make a living off of writing media outrage stories on the internet, right? And I'm not saying like I have this opinion and I agree or disagree. I'm saying there are tons of people who say basically, oh, X happened and then people on Twitter weren't happy, right? And that's legitimately the headline. Like Twitter outrage on, you know, it's not your opinion of something. It's using Twitter opinion as a way to write about a story that otherwise might not have been written about at all. It's always seemed like a uh, a real kind of, I think it's a strange journalistic wormhole to go down. Your opinion, okay, but if you're a news person, I'm not sure that somebody being upset on Twitter is a news hook that should justify you being able to write an entire story on it. Isn't it amazing? And then they have the, the they pull out the quotes, the tweets from people. Yes, random you know? people, <laughs> oftentimes anonymous. Like, oh, so and so, who's not even a real person, said this on Twitter, and it, and it's like, it, I mean, these are big media organizations that do it. I'm like, if I wanted to have a random person's opinion at least go out on the street and find a random real person as opposed to seeing somebody on the internet who might not even be real. And I also think, too, a lot of the coverage of this have, you know, when people go to, to the traditional sports bar, are they going to, you know, places, you know, African-American sports bars? Are they going into real communities? Are they just picking certain spots that, you know, are, are just, you know, skewed a certain way, uh, you know, to maybe get perspective there? I mean, that's, that's another thing as well. I mean, but, but when it comes to the anthem, the league is in way over their head. And I think part of this is, as I've said before here, it really is Jerry Jones who doesn't care what the outside world thinks. It's about him and some of his owners grabbing the power back from Roger Goodell and saying that we're going to make decisions as a franchise because you can't handle it as a, as a guy running our league. 
and we'll make our own decisions. And we'll go ahead and we'll give each team, we'll give $3 million to promote some sort of social media initiative that, you know, that's supposed to be going on. So, you know, social causes, things like this. And, you know, we'll, and the next day, as you notice, the NFL announced a new program with the military uh, that they're going to be doing to, uh, to honor some soldiers and help raise some funds and things like that. So, I mean, the league's in it, but, it, but this is, again, I think it's as much as anything it is talking about a power play, uh, getting the power away from Roger Goodell and also trying to appease President Trump to a certain extent. And let's not forget Jerry Jones, the guy who's banging the drum the loudest about this. You can go back and look at the photo of him sitting with Elizabeth Taylor, sitting during the national anthem when it was played when he first became Cowboys owner. They were both on a couch. All right, let's uh, let's go to uh, this report. I'm not even going to name the guy because I I think he is uh, I think maybe the worst person on Twitter, uh, wow. the race baiting loser. I mean I mean this honestly. I think that if Twitter were actually actively policing the people who say things on their site, that he shouldn't be able to post on Twitter. That's how bad I think this guy is. But he reported uh, that 25 percent of the league may sit out. Is there any possibility at all that more than one or two players, period, are really willing to sit out over Colin Kaepernick and Ed, and uh, and uh, Reed, the safety from the 49ers? Right. I won't mention Sean King of the New York Daily News' name. I'll just keep it quiet. We'll I don't think he works on. at the New York Daily News anymore. I think they even fired him. Wow. 25% of the players. Think, think about how ridiculous that is. These guys couldn't even get together to do a work stoppage right, you know, when it came to the 2011 season and guys walking away. Look, players have to take care of themselves, and they may love Colin Kaepernick and what he stands for, but how many guys are truly going to walk away from a game check? You get 17 of them each regular season. That's it. That's your money for the year. You're not going to make that money back down the road. So I just really see that. And then you think about team chemistry, too, and how that affects things. You know, you're walking out for Colin Kaepernick. I never played with a guy. You know what I mean? Most of the players in the NFL think of it like that. There's simply no good way to organize this. And the other thing, too, is what, what I wonder is at what point do the team leaders start to get together and address how are we going to handle the national anthem? On the positive side for them, look, at least it's May. The right guys are able to talk about this. How are we going to handle things moving ahead? But, you know, Clay, as we know, things change. You know, police incidents happen that spur some sort of protest. You go back to the Vietnam War, and you think about what happened there, and then you had player protests that were involved there. One guy, you know, similar to Colin Kaepernick, pretty much got blackballed from playing in the league because of his anti-war stance when it came to Vietnam. So I, I just think this one is it, just going to continue on and on because there's just going to be something each week that's quirky. Why one week is a player in the locker room during the anthem and not out the next? Are we really expecting all 53 guys to come out? By the way, what if 53 guys decide not to come out? and decide it's just not worth it, we're not going to play part of, this, part of this game here from the NFL. So you have one team that has 53 players out, another team that doesn't. Uh, it's just, it's, again, it's, it's left itself so open right now to interpretation as to how all of this is going to work that, that it's difficult to provide answers. I just don't think that they're really, the NFL even really has any or this was a well-thought-out policy. We've got Alex Marvez on with us now. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us on OutKick. I talk to a lot of people in the world of television. I was told by people who would know that the NFL television partners, ESPN, CBS, uh, NBC, and uh, and Fox, all, all the places that air games, missed their budgets by over $600 million because ratings for NFL games were down so substantially in the regular season and in the playoffs. And that as a result, they had to give hundreds of millions of dollars back in free ads to all the advertisers that had bought ads during the NFL games. I'm very confident in that. Those numbers, they're not talked about a lot. But 
I've got this question for you. Players, I think, have forgotten that ultimately their salaries come from fans. Everybody out there listening to me right now who is a football fan and watches the NFL, they are the ones who get the players paid. Players have these multi-year association and ownership uh, agreements because the television deals are locked in for years ahead. But players get 47%, I think, however you want to define the revenue that's produced. Player salaries are 47% of overall league revenues. In other words, players and owners are in bed together. They are both incentivized to grow this pie. How many guys out there do you think really understand that aspect of their job in terms of where the salary is coming from? And then also understand that at some point, if the league is not sound, their salary could go down. And I think that's an important point here because I think a lot of guys in theory might say, oh yeah, I care about Colin Kaepernick or I care about uh, making sure that Eric Reed is employed, stuff like that. But I think when push comes to shove, it's one thing to take 20% less money for your own political opinions. How many people out there right now listening to us would take 20% less money so that somebody they work with could share their political opinions? In other words, I think most people would just say, like right now, if you told me you can never mention Donald Trump again on your radio show. But if you do, you will lose 25% of your overall revenue for this show. I would never mention Donald Trump again. Right. And I would I would I would tell every listener, I mean, every radio show guest coming on, if you miss the, if you mention Donald Trump, I'll never have you on the show again. And that's because I would care so much about the revenue of this show that I wouldn't touch that subject. How come nobody really kind of dives into that from the player perspective? Because the players are in bed with the owners here and we've gotten used to this era of salaries always going up. What happens if the salaries go down? Well, that's touchy. And, you know, again, too, you wonder about, and I don't want to say cooking the books, but shifting money around in different ways. And the NFL Players Association has done that before uh, when it came to a certain incentive package for, uh, you know, performance-based pay. And players one year had to wait to get their performance-based pay because there was a salary cap mechanism. They were trying to get the cap to rise. So players had to sit and wait a year till they got the, this incentive money that they have. So there's things that you can do to juice the cap. But I don't, I don't know how many players really have knowledge. First, you know, too, the, the thing is we had eight guys in the NFL essentially eight players at this point that were still doing some form of social protest, right? That's what is, that, and to, can, to think about eight guys that have driven this, and they're not even like hugely star players. I mean, Eric Reed is a guy. You know what I mean? I hate to say it like that, but he's, a, he's your average NFL player. And very few guys that have really been disruptive about it, Colin Kaepernick obviously being the big lightning rod, but I think, too, take a look at the players' union leadership. How many star players do you really have in position of power? I mean, Richard Sherman is the biggest name that's involved. I think, you know, Russell Okung might be involved, but how many guys, you know, do they have, like with the NFLPA or an NBA Players Association, you know, LeBron James has a pretty big role in all that, right? What about Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady? Anyone t- talk to these guys about you're going to get involved in the union and you're going to take a, a big-time role in trying to lead this group of 1,500-plus active players, 1,900 overall, each season moving ahead? No. 
You know, it just it's just not how it is. So I think a lot of players don't understand that the more you, I think some get it, and that's why they haven't continued with it. Uh, you know, and they understand, hey, look, these are fans, and look, not everyone feels the way that of the social protesters. There are those that that's a, there are players in NFL locker rooms that support President Trump. There are players that have different political agendas. It's fifty three guys from fifty three different walks of life. They may not feel the same way about the national anthem and using it as a way to try to get a point across. So I mean, it's it's just a, it's a divisive issue, and I tell you. What, and you mentioned President Trump. He's found a great way to play this thing like a fiddle, play the league like a fiddle. He couldn't buy an NFL team, but I tell you what, he truly does own the league in a lot of ways. Well said. Alex Marvez, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, let me go ahead and bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Clay, time for a quick uh, Geico playoff report. Game 7, Western Conference Finals in the NBA playoffs. Warriors beat the Rockets in Houston 101-92. to Golden State was down 11 points at the half, but in the third quarter they outscored Houston 33-15 to in route to the win. Kevin Durant, 34 points. Steph Curry, 27 points. Golden State wins the series. Four games to three, they advanced to face the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals for the fourth year in a row. Game 1 will be Thursday in Oakland. NHL opening game of the Stanley Cup Final and in Las Vegas, Golden Knights outscore the Capitals 6-4. Vegas is now 13-3 this postseason and 7-1 at home and they lead Washington in the series one game to nothing. The support brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Final segment, hour two. Up next, who's everybody rooting for? Cavs or Warriors? We'll discuss this as I'll kick the coverage from the Geico Outkick Studios. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance, extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. We're just talking with Alex Marvez and we'll dive back into uh, the Game 7 last night between the Cavs and the Warriors at the start of Hour 3. But I do think that's an instructive way to think about this. I wrote um, last week, I believe on Friday about that question which is everybody's focused on oh these guys have a right to protest but if you were a uh if you or whether or not they have a right to protest i should say but if you were an employee everybody's a huge percentage of people that are listening to this show right now are driving to work some of you may be coming home because you work the late shift how many of you out there right now would take 20% less in your income in order to be able to share your political opinions at work. Most of you probably would not, but some of you might be willing to do that. How many of you would be willing to take 20% less for your coworkers to share their political opinions? I think an even smaller percentage of people out there. And this, to me, is where I think the media has done a bad job of discussing this aspect of the story. It's bad business. Ultimately, again, the revenue is being missed by over $600 million. Regardless of what your political opinions are, if you were going to make 20% less at your job because you talked about politics or advocated aggressively for your political opinions, how many people would do that? Would you guys in L.A., if I told you you can come on the show and you can talk about politics, would you take 20% less in your income to do that? 
If you if we couldn't talk about politics? No, no. If you were just if I was like, hey, uh, you guys can talk about politics as much as you want, but we're gonna lose twenty percent of our income, including you guys are gonna make twenty percent less. Would <laughs> no, you absolutely. ever talk about politics? No. no. Would you, Danny G? Hell no. No. Hell of no. Okay, not. Danny G weighing in now, right? Okay. I think just about everybody out there would agree with that. Okay, if I told you and the reason why I'm using 20 percent is because that's how much NFL television ratings have declined and the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been cost from television networks. If I told you on top of that, not only you may be like, I've never talked about politics, I'm not going to lose 20 percent of my income. Would you defend your coworkers ability to talk about politics at work if they were going to cost you 20 percent of your income and you weren't even talking about politics? I think every single person out there listening to us right now is like, hell no. Are you kidding me? There's no way that that knucklehead who works alongside of me should get to share his or her politics and cost us all 20%. I think this is a great example of how the money isn't connected to the players yet. The $600 million, over $600 million that was lost by the TV networks, the players aren't feeling it. Because the television contracts are signed years in advance. So that money is guaranteed. So when the players say, oh, we don't care. Don't come to the games then. They're not feeling that. They're feeling that way because they're not seeing an impact from the protest. But if the players' contracts were connected to TV ratings and that $600 million was coming out of NFL player contracts... I think there'd be a ton of players out there saying, we need to shut up and play football. This is a great example of where the economic cost right now is being borne by the TV networks. And the reason this anthem policy exists is don't make any mistake about it because the TV networks got on the phones with the league and they said, guys, we missed our revenue targets by over $600 million because of your protests. And the owner said, "Uh uh-oh, We got to sell our television product to these networks in a couple of years. If they pay us substantially less, then our business is going to be worth less. And then the 47% of the shared revenue that the players get will be less too. And so if the players were actually bearing the brunt of this over $600 million in lost revenue, they would all be reacting the exact same way the guys in studio just did. The same way you guys would. Almost no one out there would take 20% less salary to be able to talk politics at their job. And even fewer of you to almost zero would take 20% less for your coworkers to be able to share their political opinions. I'm Clay Travis. Final hour of the show. More Cavs Warriors talk next on OutKick. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. If you are just waking up across the country today, massive choke job from the Houston Rockets missing 27 straight three-point attempts down the stretch. That, my friends, is atrocious absolutely atrocious what were the odds you might be wondering that a team would miss 27 straight threes over the course of a game especially when the Houston Rockets all season long made 
36.2% of their three-point shots. My guy, Mike Mulvihill at Fox, he ran them 186,220 to one. A lot of focus on game sevens in the NBA. LeBron going up against the Celtics and the Rockets hosting the Warriors. Both home teams lose, the Celtics and the Rockets. Why did they lose? Because they shot a combined 14 for 83, 16.8% from three-point line, from the three-point line at home, Boston and Houston in game seven. The result, the Warriors against the Cavs for the fourth straight year with the Golden State Warriors opening as a 12-point favorite over the Cavs. That will likely end up being the largest spread in an NBA Finals contest in 25 years. Uh, Much to get to as we unpack that game. I'll bring in the crew here momentarily. But first, like I said, many of you waking up across the country. Let's hear from Mike D'Antoni about what he thought of the Rockets' performance. If you just take a deep breath one time, it's a three. That's why they're so good. That's why they're... They're, they're playing. Hats off to them, but I think we're very close, obviously. You know, some things will tweak, and we'll get back on the horse, and we'll get these guys here pretty soon. Golden State has set the bar for the whole league, not just us. We know where we have to go. We feel like we're really close. We just need a good summer of work. You know, we, we turned it on defensively, I think, from the All-Star break on. That will not slip. We'll get it even better there. I mean, I'm obviously optimistic just because the guys we're dealing with and the winners and uh, – we keep knocking on the door, it'll eventually open. Big story, obviously, from this series was the injury Chris Paul suffered at the very tail end of Game 5. He was not able to play in Game 6 or Game 7. Steve Kerr was asked about it said he felt really bad for Chris Paul. I have so much respect for their organization, what they've done this past year, coming out and aiming for us. And uh, they compete. They play both ends. They got a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. We were lucky to escape. And I genuinely feel badly for Chris Paul not being able to play these last couple games, just like I feel badly for Andre Iguodala. You hate when these guys who compete their whole lives and practice and train and plan for this moment and they're not able to be part of it. It's a shame. Kevin Durant played fabulously in the second half, as did Steph Curry, both of those guys putting up big, impressive stat lines. Durant was asked about what he thought of the team he had just vanquished, the Houston Rockets. I gained a lot of respect for this team, this Houston Rockets team over the season. Well, obviously, can't lie, coming in, I'm like, wow, they got CP and James, two guys that do the same thing. Probably just about the same way every basketball fan thought when they came together. But when they started the season, we played them the first game and then just watching them over the years, this team was for real. Watching how they play defense and how they simplified the offense and just turned into – you know, see if you can guard James one-on-one or CP one-on-one or Eric Gordon. You know, it presented a tough challenge for us, and we knew that coming into the series it was going to be rough. See, that's why I think Durant right there pointing out the Rockets did a really good job getting to the rim. I mean, they got three guys that I thought consistently got to the rim, and you had to respect their outside shot. Harden, Gordon, and certainly Chris Paul. And as a result... I think this matchup in the NBA Finals is going to be a lot easier for the Golden State Warriors because other than LeBron, there's nobody really that scares you on the Cavs when it comes to getting to the basket. Kyrie Irving isn't there anymore. 
I don't even know who the second best guy getting to the basket would be, Jeff Green. I I don't know. I mean, there's really nobody on the Cleveland Cavaliers who you look at. I mean, that's basically LeBron with a bunch of guys who stand around the three-point line that LeBron can pass to. And so I think it's going to be a five-game series at best for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think this is a little bit unfortunate and that if the NBA wants to be particularly forward-thinking, what they need to do is seed the the inside uh, the NBA playoffs one to sixteen, and they need to put the best team against the sixteenth best team, and all the way down through there, so that you're set up for what would in theory be at least like if if you seeded the top four right down the stretch, you would have gotten the I believe the the Golden State Warriors would have finished. Where would the Warriors have finished overall? Like in the fifth spot in the NBA. Am I mistaken on that, or would they be the four? I think your number one overall seed, if you just went by record, I know there's complicating factors here with uh, with the fact that who you played, Eastern versus Western Conference, but if you just looked at records, the Rockets would have been the overall number one seed. The uh, Toronto Raptors would have been the overall number two seed. Uh, I believe, would the Warriors have been the three, or would they have been the four? I, I don't have the the the, uh, the the rankings in front of me right now. I think the Celtics had more wins than the Warriors, didn't they? Would the Celtics have been the three, and the Warriors would have been the four? I think the Warriors would have been the three. And you would have ended up with uh, a, a situation where you would have gotten, I believe, the Rockets probably against the Golden State Warriors in the title. And that would have made a substantial difference, I think, in general to how we would react to the end of the NBA season. Because I think a lot of you right now are sitting around and you're saying, ah, as entertaining as the Western Conference Finals ended up being, the Warriors almost gave away this series. Because they had game four in the bag, up 12 at home in Oracle in the fourth quarter. And then they almost... Uh, gave that they gave that game away and then they couldn't score three possessions down the stretch in game five and then when you really break down this series they came out and they whipped them in game six and they didn't play that well in the first half and then they took control of it as part of the Houston Rockets going one for 30 from three but I think this is a flaw in the NBA system that when they actually get into the NBA Finals, most people, myself included, and I think most everybody out there, expects for this series to not be very close. Now, I was a little bit curious, who are people rooting for? And so the poll question that's up, and you can go find me on Twitter, at Clay Travis, and vote in this poll question, as uh, over 11,000 have you uh, of you have in the first hour, who are you rooting for, uh, Cavs or Warriors? And the Cavs is the answer from my audience out there, the OutKick audience. 58% of you are rooting for the Cavs. 42% of you rooting for the Warriors. Now, this is year four of Cavs-Warriors. It's the first time in any major pro sport we've had the exact same uh, matchup for four straight years. And I think it's an interesting question. Is this going to be like the Marvel movies where every time they make a new one, the ratings are fantastic or is it going to be like uh, a sequel that doesn't pan out in any way and people don't end up being that very excited for like the female ghostbusters remember the female ghostbusters was that last year everybody's like oh they're remaking ghostbusters it's going to be amazing and then the movie kind of sucked and it just felt like they just remade ghostbusters to put girls in it 
so that they could get a little bit of attention and everybody would be like, oh, look how progressive Hollywood is. They made the girls Ghostbusters. And then I just watched Solo this weekend. And Solo is not meeting expectations because expectations are so high and there have been so many Star Wars movies made. I thought Solo was pretty good. But I understand that a lot of you out there may be a little bit tired of it. And so, I don't know. Are you guys excited to watch the fourth version, the rematch times three of the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers? Jason Martin, is this something like you're sitting around like, oh boy, I can't wait now that we've got this? Or do you agree with me that in the grand scheme of things, what the NBA needs to do is completely remake the way they do the playoffs? And by the way, let me clear this up uh, a little bit. If they were just seeding based on record, if they were just seeding based on record, the number one overall seed, not surprisingly, would be the Houston Rockets. The number two overall seed would have been the Toronto Raptors. The number three overall seed would be the Golden State Warriors. So you would have been set up, and then Boston would be the four. So you would have been set up to have uh, the uh, Toronto Raptors, if everything had held the, held the situation, you would have had the Toronto Raptors against the Golden State Warriors, or since they came out of that scenario you would have had the uh, the Cavs against the Warriors potentially in the semifinals. And then on the other side, if the, if the brackets had held, you would have had your one seed of the Houston Rockets going up against your four seed, which would have been the Boston Celtics. I think most people out there would, would have preferred that that be the final four, that you get the Cavs-Warriors in the semifinals, and then in the finals, you and, and, the, and you also get the Celtics going up uh, against the um, against the number one overall seed, the Rockets, and then in theory you would get Houston against Golden State in the title uh, NBA final series. I think most people would have preferred that, and I think it would seem more fair. Are you with me there, Jason Martin? I mean, I think it would have been more fair for sure because I think we all believe that we just saw the NBA finals, and not a yes. great NBA finals, but at least one that went to seven games in the Western Conference. I look. I love watching LeBron James play basketball. He is great drama. But I will tell you this. When, not if, when the Warriors are up like 15 points early in the third quarter in these final games, I'm probably going to tune out. I'm probably going to go about and do something else because there's not any part of me that believes that the Cleveland Cavaliers can come back if they're down 15 to the Warriors. I know how great LeBron is. But LeBron is playing with the worst team he's ever had. The worst. Even worse than the team he had back in 2007-2008 because that team was a top-five defensive team in the league. This team was 29th in the regular season and is terrible as a perimeter defending team. The Warriors, even though it's a misnomer to say that they live and die by the three, they do not. They're actually not even in the top 15 in terms of three-point frequency as part of their offense compared to the Cavs, which is all they do outside of LeBron, basically, is shoot the three-ball I just don't think the series is going to be any good. I hope to be wrong. I'd love to see it be dramatic, but this Cavs team should get blown off the floor. LeBron scoring 40 every night, they should still get beaten by 15 or 20 points every night. And that's honestly what I expect to happen. So I'm disappointed a little bit, not because we're getting this for the fourth time, but because we're getting this as the fourth time. We don't have Kyrie Irving we, we have Kevin Love, if he's there, having to play second banana when he's no better than a third. He is your Chris Bosh. He's not your Dwayne Wade. And then the third best Cav, 
I don't know. It changes from night to night. LeBron never knows who he can rely upon. The Warriors could have two guys not show up on any given night and still win by double figures. Yeah, and and again, I, I don't know if they'll make the change in the offseason and actually just seed it 1-16, to 16, I but think I so. think that would at least make some difference. Now, maybe the Celtics with Kyrie Irving and with uh, with Gordon Hayward coming back will make the East more fair, but that's frankly why I don't give a lot of credence to LeBron James going to the finals. I understand that LeBron James' sunshine pumpers out there are like, he's gone to eight straight finals. This is unbelievable. Yeah. How many? How far would he have advanced if he was in the Western Conference with this exact same Cleveland Cavaliers team? Maybe they win a series, maybe one. They're not even close to advancing any far any further. And so, to me, there's such an imbalance between the two different leagues right now because effectively it's two different leagues: the Eastern and the Western Conference. That the past couple of years, I don't think LeBron's team has been anywhere near good enough. And by the way. Last year's team of Cavaliers was infinitely better than this year's version. I, I'm with you. I think it could be a complete, total crushing of the Cavs that comes down from the Warriors. If the Warriors stay focused, the Warriors have shown themselves to be, I would say, lackadaisical in the way that they've approached many of these series. I don't think they were that worked up or that fired up about the first series they played um, and what they did to the Spurs, I don't think they felt threatened by the Spurs in any way. They won 4-1. I don't think they really felt pe- threatened by the Pelicans in any way. They won 4-1. And I think after they blew out the Rockets and won by 41 and then had a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter, give the Rockets credit for making this a series and storming back and winning that game four. But I think it is a function almost entirely of the overall situation in general that we've got effectively a team that knows it's better than everybody else. And so at times they don't push as hard as they need to in order to win. Almost caught up with them. They lost game four. I think the uh, the Warriors expected to win game five. They had three chances uh, down the stretch to win game five. They didn't do it. They didn't show up for the first half in either game six or game seven. It's almost like they wanted to be challenged. They needed to be pushed to the edge. And they responded, and they got the wins. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's pretty uh, interesting to think about, um, and uh, and we'll see what exactly ends up happening uh, in the uh, in this finals. But I'm not that excited about it personally because we've seen this three straight years uh, already, and in the third year it was the least competitive of all, and now I think the fourth year is going to be even least less competitive than that. Up next, it's Petros Papadakis, AM570 Sports out in LA. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick, the coverage from the Geico Outkick Studios here on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Guy who's always confident, Petros Papadakis at Petros and Money, uh, 570 AM LA Sports. Did I get that right or did I screw it up again? Um, Petros, last night. Well, what am I supposed to say? AM570 LA Sports. Has anybody thought that maybe it sounds better to say 570 AM LA Sports like I do? No. no I think it's it better. Doesn't. Yeah. 
AM570 LA Sports, and then if you really are hardcore with a, with good hair and, and 500,000 plus Twitter followers, you might add <laughs> your home of the Dodgers. Uh, home of the Dodgers, indeed. Did you dodge out watching Game 7 last night since it was going head-to-head with The Bachelorette? I am so pissed off, Clay, because the NBA, after my big dissertation to you last week, and I think the one uh, before that, about there being no competition in the NBA and not being interested if the Warriors are going to win the next five titles. There was just enough parody to suck me in and then destroy everything and just watch the same thing happen every year. LeBron wins. He's a hero to the people, and he does it all himself, and he walks on water, and he kind of does. And the Warriors can't be stopped, and they can't be doubted. And it sucks, and now it's going to be a sweep, and I can't take it. So do you believe that LeBron is legitimately in play to join the Lakers? I think that it's a legitimate thought because of his life in Los Angeles. I think that the Lakers don't think that he's coming. And and so, by the way, were you pouring coffee there in the background? No, I was pouring water for my daughter in a Minnie Mouse cup because somehow she just woke up at 5 in the morning and oh, started that's screaming ne- that it's morning. She's upsetting my wife. Uh, I've run in there five or six times. I'm stark naked. I'm trying <laughs> to do the radio interview and appease this two-year-old who is the most demanding two-year-old that ever lived. So right now... I think- much like I'm going behind enemy lines, I'm going in a room with the water that you that she demanded. So yeah, she no, might this start is yelling at me. No, uh, no, no. Let's. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued on, by this. All right, let's water. see how it goes. Here's your water. Kiss and a hug. Are you gonna go to bed? All right, gonna go to bed. I love you. All right. This is, by the way. I feel like every parent out there, I almost 100% of our guests, because obviously people are starting off their day, and thank you, Petros, by the way, for getting up early with us out in L.A. People are all starting off their day, and I feel like almost if we have a guest on more than one time, almost 100% of them, one, have kids, and two, at some point, will have a kid-related interruption going on during the course of the actual uh, interview. Yeah, but you'll never go out like that guy on the BBC when he was talking about. Oh, that was amazing. The Scottish secession or whatever the hell. No, it was like it was like the North. It was something serious. It was like North and South Korean potential war, and then his kid comes in the background like dancing around. Two of them. And yeah, oh, it was amazing. It was and then absolutely the wife came amazing. Flying in. And uh, she was like an Asian lady or something, and everybody yes. was like, you know, what's with the nanny? And he was like, that's my wife. <laughs> yeah. It no, it was it was uh, it was spectacular on pretty much every level you could break it down. Um, I was asking this question earlier: the anthem thing, like okay. the NFL anthem. I know you it's your favorite thing from, to talk about. No, are you moving on but, from the NBA? Uh, well, I mean, is there anything else you think is amazing? I mean, like I think I'm with you. I think that the Warriors are going to win in four or five games. I think the storyline is going to immediately shift to. Where is LeBron going to play next? And yeah. I feel like I'm going to talk about that every day for a month. So is there anything else uh, to you that jumped out? The only oh, thing I was going to ask you this yeah. is that it's, it's, I would rather have the where's LeBron going to go, which we've already done. This is the Twice. third time in yes. our lives that we've gone through this charade. 
and I'd rather do that than who's the best of all time talk. Oh. That is the most mind-numbing crap, unprovable BS. You and I are in agreement there. That's the worst thing to me about people are like, oh, it's so great, LeBron. I, I would have liked to have seen the Celtics win only to avoid six hours on FS1 and ESPN every day for two more weeks of LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. We did, like, what we're going to do on this show is continue to have debates. Like, we'll probably have one tomorrow and Wednesday, like, uh, not Jordan versus LeBron, but we did peanut butter versus jelly. Which one is more important for the peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Peanut butter, Uh, obviously. Well, it's jelly, but you're wrong. But I understand that sometimes you're wrong. Uh, And then what do we also do? George yes. Washington Carver invented peanut butter, and he's <laughs> That's a black right. man. Clearly, That's exactly. Clearly, like a racist. Four billion ways to use the peanut by George Washington Carver, and then we also did um, uh, which of the princesses do you think is better looking, Meghan Markle, the new one who just married Prince Harry, or Princess uh, Kate who married William? Well, I'm always going to go with the fatter girl. But that's, uh, you know, the who's hot. You lose me with the who's hotter talk. But anyway. Yeah, well, it's just princesses. I mean, you could be who's more dreamy uh, uh, on the princess. If we had any others, uh, the guys can let me know if we've had any others out there. I, I, we've got, I've got funny. a list there's of four. Ariel, there's Snow White, there's Sleeping Beauty. Oh, well, I mean, there's Jasmine. no doubt. That's a, the Disney princesses. Which of the two Disney princesses do you think are the best looking? Two. There's if you had to go, we, yeah, chicks. I know, but you have to narrow it down to two. That's LeBron versus Jordan. Everybody other than your Kobe guy out there has basically narrowed it down to LeBron versus Jordan. So that's how this thing started. I was like, what's LeBron versus Jordan of other industries or other areas? I don't even know who the high. I think Ariel is one. Well, the uh, assuming of that a she's a woman with a fishtail. Yeah, but I'm saying Ariel post tail because I don't think Ariel as a mermaid would be in the top two because she doesn't have legs. And, What's you know, wrong we with can, that? Uh, once again, you show your bigotry. So I'm anti. I'm anti mermaids. I'm so pro. What she's got a fish bottom, and no one knows how to. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm anti. Fi- I'm anti fish bottoms. Uh, I'm just going to be honest. With I you. guess she'd have to lay her eggs, and then you would come to inseminate them over there, like like it would be like a separate kind of thing. This is just amazing to think about. But yes, I think like how, I'm trying. That's how fish have sex. I think that's right. Yeah. And also, honestly, how some people have kids. You got the eggs, and then you got the production of the sperm, and they never actually meet uh, organically. So, yeah, that would be a second place. Hmm. Who was, who was like, who had like a solid build? Solid. I mean, I don't think. All right. I'm going to knock Snow White out of the running just based on that hairstyle. I can't go with the Snow White hair. That's not a good look. She looks um, good though. She's got she's got 1930s curves. I'll tell you, Cinderella. I think was uh, was was pretty hot. On I think Pocahontas was really good looking. Yeah, I'd say Pocahontas was Mulan a girl. Was that the whole premise? I might go with. Mulan. Was she a princess? I don't know if she was a princess. They all. I haven't up. seen Mulan. They Every woman in a Disney royalty. movie ends up being a princess somehow. That's there's yeah. an argument to be made there. I think. Uh, I yeah. Oh yeah. We the other with other big debate. But I'm trying to think now. I think probably the two best looking Disney princesses are Ariel and Pocahontas. Who am I missing out there that everybody would be like, oh, I can't believe you're not giving enough respect. I'm gonna check Twitter right now. There's no oh, telling. What about the chick with the arrow, the redhead from Brave? Yeah. 
I haven't seen Brave either, but I, I think that she is not anywhere near as good looking as I mean, I think Ariel is a stone cold vixen smoke show. And like this is uh, you have do you go to Disneyland with your kids? I try to avoid it. I've I've done it maybe once or twice and only lasted like twenty minutes. Well, the reason why I would bring I this Disneyland. up is you can't, it doesn't surprise me, me that it doesn't surprise me that you hate Disneyland. I've taken my kids to Disneyland, Disney World. Like I was raised in a Disney family, uh, so we went to uh, we went to Disney a lot. But when you go around, they have the characters who are walking around, like playing the role. And Ariel is legitimately the hottest at every dead. You know what? Actually, I'll give you another one too. I feel like we may be sleeping on Belle uh, from Beauty and the oh, Beast. Oh yeah. Yeah, she she she's into bestiality. <laughs> well, that's, I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a saving grace or if that uh, or if that's uh, there's a lot of complaints by the way now. Uh, Jasmine from Aladdin. Jasmine was pretty hot. I said Jasmine, but you know oh, that's that's a little less conventional. The, I mean, the I, other... I, I have a big nose. You know, Jasmine's got a pretty big nose too. I don't know how we're gonna ha- kiss each other. Oh, that's a, that's an issue for you. Well, uh, by the way, tilt. The, by the way, the other big debate we got into was Chick Fil A versus uh, versus everybody. So Chick Fil A was the uh, the fast food restaurant I think is the best, and that was the uh, that was the breakdown. Well, out a here lot in of California, Jasmine. We have all kinds of stuff you guys don't have. So that's not as good. Uh, Jasmine huh. from Aladdin. Jasmine from Aladdin is getting a lot of love on Twitter right now. You can tag me or Petros right now as we break down. Uh, LeBron versus MJ of the Disney princesses. That's a, that, maybe that's a topic for tomorrow. Maybe we come on and we make our case about which. Uh, but I think the first thing you have to do is narrow it down to two, and then you open up the phone lines and allow everybody to make their case. Um, yeah, tweet the my other thing, Twitter out. It'll make me more popular. At Petros and Money, uh, I will tweet it out. All right. So um, the other thing I was asking is twenty-seven straight missed threes by the Rockets. Pretty unbelievable at home in Game 7, given the circumstances that's never happened before in any NBA playoff game. If I put you in a gym and there's no rush, but you get 27 threes from an NBA three-point line, how many do you think you could hit? Maybe one. Oh, really? You're a bad shooter? My shoulders are wrecked. I, I can barely throw a football. But no, I'm not a good shooter. But I can rebound. You're, you can take up space. Did you play a lot of basketball when you were at SC? No. Well, a little bit. They used to make us play to uh, condition. condition. And yeah. I used to be able to do some, some weird things on the basketball court. But that's for I mean, you can day. dunk, right? Like, you can dunk with ease when you played at USC? Yeah. yeah. Um, because, I mean, in order to be as fab, I mean, you ran a 4-5. Generally, if you can run a 4-5, you can dunk. Because I ran a 4-3, Clay. 4-3. I mean, uh, the fastest. You think you're the fastest Greek man? Is there a faster Greek man than you? There's a guy that won the 200 in the Olympics. Oh, really? Yeah, but he was all juiced up. But what does that matter? Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I, did, oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it, you said you were nude earlier, so the Greek Olympics were in nude uh, initially. Um, so uh, that all ties in with uh, with everything else here. That's um, brilliant radio, Clay. You tied it in a naked running Greek. I can't run or jump anymore anymore at all so but you do have uh you do have yoga coming up how's that going it's going fine clay uh 
today's another another class. I go every day. I I'm, I can talk about the anthem. I promise. You don't have to vamp for me or come up with weird. Things no, no, no. It. My 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 question on the anthem before we we got into the Disney princesses for you was this. Uh, you didn't I, get I into think... that for me. You got into it for yourself. You were talking well, about the different things. Don't try to put this on me. Uh, the LeBron versus uh, the Jordan of other industries, I think, is actually a lot more interesting than LeBron versus uh, LeBron versus Jordan. But certainly for the le- anthem, it's certainly much more original. I do, yes, for the anthem, I don't think when you really break it down that we've done a very good job breaking it down in this respect. And I did it in hour two uh, when I talked to some of the TV people. They say that they lost $600 million, over $600 million off their expected budgets based on the ratings being down as much as they were for the regular season in the NFL last year. And I said one of the problems with this is the way player contracts work, there's a disconnect between what they make and what fans think of them. And what I mean by that is you sign these multi-year television contracts which guarantee the team money. And the players get 47% of that money, but it's not set every year, right? It's not as if if you're selling cars, you don't get a guaranteed contract probably for car sales because every year you got to produce. And if you found out that your car sales were going down 20% and your income was down 20% and there was no other reason other than the fact that you were doing something uh, interjecting politics into your job... I think most car salesmen out there would be like, man, I'm never talking about politics again. I said on this show, if you told me that if I mention anything political, I make 20% less money, I would never mention anything political at all on this show again, and I would guard against it. If players were seeing that $600 million come out of their paychecks, is there any doubt that the protest and the anthem controversy and everything else would be gone immediately? No, not, not really. I don't think there's any doubt. And I think that that's the most pragmatic way to look at it for people because there's so much, and you're still banging your head against a wall, it doesn't matter, because there's so much emotion on both sides of the, of the fringe argument, which, yes. is, which is kind of the, the vocal minority on, on both sides and this one too, which is... I want to take a knee to protest police brutality. You don't know what it's like. Shut up and let me protest. And the other one is, you're taking a knee disrespects the military service of people who have given their time and lives for your freedom, and so on and so forth. The middle part of it is, you know, I work at a company. They have a budget for advertising because that's what we sell. Uh, If we don't make our budget, they make changes. Yes. Uh, uh, if we don't make our budget, they tweak. Uh, if we don't make our budget, they come up with excuses like, well, you know, the Dodgers weren't good or, you know, we had this that we had to deal with. I mean, it's a drastic thing. And even though the NFL makes money hand over fist, they made less than they're used to making last year. And that doesn't project well for business people. I'm not smart, but I understand that part of business. Also, the other part of it is, you know, none of us get to protest at our jobs. Maybe we ought to. Maybe that's changing. I'm not, I'm not saying the protest is illegitimate. I'm just saying I don't under, understand how the NFL has let this train leave the station and has not controlled it properly or handled it well at all. Uh, you point out all the time 
the way the NBA handles it, and everybody seems to get their say politically in the NBA, and they don't have this problem. Uh, you know my solution. I think it's weird because the military is a big advertiser with the NFL, and the NFL doesn't want to piss off an advertiser. And they do the anthem because that advertiser exists. They didn't do it with the players out there before that. So, I mean, I don't even know why we have to do the anthem in the first place. They don't play the anthem if you go to a concert and, and sit at Staples Center or, or the or movie. You know, they don't do it. Yeah. Uh, because you're paying it's a private event. So, no, I agree with you in general. I think it's about money. I mean, I think that the NFL believes that they'll make more money if they play the anthem than if they don't. And I said I would do it on no, my if show. If they were making money because people were kneeling, they'd want everybody to kneel. Yes. That's, you know, that's the bottom line. If it's such an emotional argument for people that are emotional about it, I'm not on either side. Uh, you know, obviously I'm not a, a black man, uh, and I, not, I don't have a military background. Uh, I'm not emotional about it on either side. If everybody was kneeling with their fists up and that was making money and there was a bunch of advertisers that loved it, then they'd be doing that. Yes. No, you're right. Hey, good luck with the daughter. I hope she goes back to sleep. Thanks for getting up early with us, and we'll talk to you next week. I'm out of here, dude. She can scream all. (laughs) Let her cry like the Hootie song. Uh, The Dolphins uh, made her cry, indeed. Uh, That's Petros Papadakis. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking the world of sports. Oh, Clay, let's give you a quick Geico playoff report. NBA playoffs, Game 7, Western Conference Finals. Warriors beat the Rockets in Houston 101-92. Golden State was down 11 at the half, then outscored Houston 33-15 in the third quarter en route to the win. Kevin Durant had 34 points, Steph Curry 27 points. For Houston, they were just 7 of 44 behind the three-point line. At one point, they missed 27 straight three-pointers in the game. Chris Paul did not play in this one for the Rockets due to his hamstring injury. Golden State advances to the NBA Finals. They'll face the Cleveland Cavaliers for the fourth year in a row. Game one's Thursday in Oakland. And in the NHL Stanley Cup Final opening game in Las Vegas, Golden Knights outscored the Capitals 6-4. Las Vegas is now 13-3 this postseason, 7-1 at home, and they lead Washington in the series one game to nothing. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Good stuff. Final segment. Which are the two hottest Disney princesses? It's our own LeBron versus uh, MJ. we got to figure it out in advance of tomorrow's show. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. We are hanging out with you. Final segment of the show here. Poll question of the day is up. You guys have been voting in it in massive numbers. Over 16,000 of you have voted so far. Who are you rooting for in the NBA Finals? The Cavs or the Warriors? Now it is set. 58% of the audience out there rooting for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, In terms of the Disney princess debate, the great Disney princess debate, there are 11 Disney princesses. And nobody else on the show has any kids, so I will run through them rapidly. Snow White, Cinderella, uh, Aurora, Ariel, Belle, Jasmine, Pocahontas, Mulan, Tiana, Rapunzel, and Merida. Merida, I'm not even sure how you pronounce that one. I haven't seen the Pixar film Brave. There are 11 of them. I have evidently rated the princesses for hotness before the disney princesses 
Uh, my top two are one overall seed, Ariel, two overall seed, Jasmine. Does anybody feel strongly that another Disney princess deserves consideration? Those are the two I would have gone with. I might have, well, I don't know if I would have flipped them or not. I'm a big fan of Redhead, so I really do like Ariel, but Jasmine's right there. Those are, those would have been my two. Uh, what about L.A.? Uh, <laughs> is it creepier for you to have yeah. an opinion on this or less creepy? I have kids, so I could theoretically be sitting around watching the Disney princess movies. Uh, you guys are just perverts. Who are the two hottest <laughs> Disney princesses? Never thought I'd be talking about this on national radio with you. Um, I also, uh, during the break, I wrote down my top two, Ariel <laughs> and Jasmine. So, yep. so all right. So, so far, three of us are in agreement. Maybe we'd have different seeds at one or two. Uh, what about you, Cooper? I mean, Ariel's the obvious number one. Um, man, for for the second one... I mean, is Jasmine right there because she's got the the sluttiest outfit of them all? Is that is that why? Is, I mean, it doesn't really? hurt. I no, I I'm not in considering the outfits at all. Okay, because I'm not a complete pervert. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you just brought this topic we, up. If yeah. we were, then we would have to consider Jessica Rabbit, even though she's not technically a princess or Disney, right? Or human. She's not no, Disney. she's Disney. Warner Brothers. <laughs> Isn't she Warner no, Brothers? she's no, she's Disney. Yeah, who framed Roger Rabbit? It's Disney. D- yeah. it's Warner Brothers. No, it's you're in, you're an idiot uh, for many reasons, but no, it's right. not lackadaisical, right? It's people are like, hey, you should be pronouncing it lackadaisical. It's lackadaisical. Right? Yeah, I understand. The word sounds better the way I pronounce it. Sometimes you just have to throw. You have to pretend that you are creating the English language anew. And if you were creating the English language anew, laxadaisical fits a lot better than lackadaisical. It's an infinitely better word to say. So I pronounce it laxadaisical. I think, frankly, that they should just go ahead and change the dictionary and be like, you know what? Clay's right. Laxadaisical fits and sounds better and it flows better and it's just a better word pronounced that way than False. lackadaisical. No, you're wrong. But 100% that who framed Roger Rabbit? I looked Rabbit it up. You're right. I looked movie. it up. You're right. They bought the rights in '81. I just, I for some reason never had seen that as a Disney film before. Um, and so, uh, so I think that's a. Uh, I, I think it's. I think we're basically in agreement that it's Ariel versus Jasmine. Maybe we'll have to have that great debate tomorrow instead of LeBron James versus. Which, by the way, so many hours of LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. Now that LeBron's officially in the finals. They are going to do six hours every day on ESPN and six hours every day on that on FS1. I think I think to a large extent, the reason why people don't like LeBron James is that debate. I, I asked. I remember I asked this of Jason Whitlock. If LeBron, if Michael Jordan had never existed, I think LeBron James would be wildly popular in this country. I think that the greatest of all time debate has actually worked to LeBron James's disfavor because people haven't been able to accept and enjoy real-time LeBron James. Instead, they're obsessively contextualizing him compared to Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan never played basketball, LeBron James would be infinitely more popular in this country. Tomorrow, Disney princesses. Ariel versus uh, Jasmine. It's going to be a battle royale. Oh, 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 right. 
Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!